With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everybody, and welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. I'm Emerson Phillips, and I'm joined today by Matt O'Brien. We're going to talk about this Texas A&M game. Gamecock's headed to College Station, their first ever trip to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. Matt O'Brien, my co-host today, and Matt is uh, doing some television work. He's up in the Northeast, and he's working for NBC Sports. He's a production assistant for Football Night in America, and he's also working for Pro Football Talk and Fantasy Football Live. Matt, good to have you today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Emerson? Everything's good, man. I enjoyed reading your work on Gamecock Central, and we're going to talk about your piece that is on the website this week, and it's a preview of the Texas A&M game and kind of some specific X's and O's matchups, things to look for, and we're going to take an in-depth look at Texas A&M today and um, sharing your expertise uh, in the game of football. You're a former walk-on at South Carolina. You played for the Gamecocks in 2010 and 2011, and I understand you played for Ellis Johnson and for Lorenzo Ward, so you know uh, obviously a lot about the inner workings of the Gamecock football program. Tell us about your time at South Carolina. I chose South Carolina to walk on because it was really the most beautiful school I visited, and the biggest reason was getting the opportunity to play for Coach Spurrier. He was someone that I looked up to as a, a player my whole life, and when I was choosing schools, I looked at uh, University of Miami, uh, South Florida, Rutgers, and East Carolina. But when I visited South Carolina, I knew it was the school for me, and uh, I'm, it was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. Fantastic. Glad to have you with part of the Gamecock Nation here. And you played defense. I understand you played spur. Yep, I played uh, safety my first year, and then midway through the year, I uh, talked with uh, Coach Shane Beamer, who was coaching the Spurs, and he decided to uh, give me a shot at spur, so I got the opportunity to uh, – play alongside Antonio Allen and Devontae Holloman, who were uh, tremendous athletes. Outstanding. Those were some good Gamecock football teams. We're glad to have you today. Let's jump right in to this Texas A&M game here, Matt. Uh, the Gamecocks are 3-4 and four and 1-4 and four in the SEC. And uh, coaching change, obviously, a couple weeks ago, Sean Elliott has taken over as the interim head coach. And uh, before we dive into Texas A&M, wanted to get your thoughts on Sean Elliott as the interim head coach. What do you think about him? I thought uh, they couldn't have made a better hire than Coach uh, Elliott. He's uh, probably the most passionate and fiery coach I ever played for. Um, one of my first games there, I remember just the pregame. It was about 20 minutes before kickoff, and all of a sudden you hear someone screaming, going crazy, pumping everyone up, and it was Coach Elliott. And he went around to every single player in the locker room, slapped their hands, and said some sort of pump-up message. And he was just screaming. He probably said some expletives that I couldn't say in this podcast. But um, he was just really pumping everyone up. And all I can say is if, that, if the players cannot get fired up to play for Coach Elliott, I don't know who they can get fired up to play for. All right, Matt, let's turn our attention to the Texas A&M game. You know, it's been a, a bit of a tough hand that uh, Coach Elliott has been dealt here, having to take over in the middle of the season, and the Gamecocks will play at Texas A&M. we got a noon kickoff on Saturday, the first ever road trip to College Station for the Gamecocks. And, you know, Texas A&M, Matt, started the year 5-0. and They were ranked in the top 25. Everything looked good for five weeks, and they have been – 
trucked the last two weeks, first by Alabama. They threw three pick sixes in that game, and then they got beat soundly last week by an Ole Miss team that was coming off that loss to Memphis. So uh, let's talk about Texas A&M. Talk about Kevin Sumlin a little bit in this offense that he runs. A&M did put 52 on the Gamecocks last year in the season opener at Williams-Brice. So talk about their offense a little bit. Uh, there's talk that Kyle Allen, their starting quarterback, has lost confidence after this uh, the, the three-interception performance against Bama, and uh, they don't know yet who their starting quarterback this Saturday is going to be. In the first five weeks of the season, Kyle Allen looked like he was – the cream of the crop, the best of the best in the SEC at the quarterback position. He, he really was on strong. He had 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. He was making all the throws. And what really the Texas A&M offense tries to do is get him going and get him into rhythm with some short slants, some screen passes, and then when the defense cheats up, have him take those high-percentage long balls in one-on-one situations with his bigger receivers. Now, in recent weeks against Alabama and Ole Miss, what they've done is they've kind of loaded up the box against them, and uh, took away the options. They, they were using Christian Kirk as a, as a decoy of sorts uh, in their first game against Alabama. But what I thought they did best is that they kind of stymied the uh, Texas A&M rushing attack. And when they were doing those short passes, those screens, and those shorter outside routes, um, the defenses were just swarming around them. And uh, Kyle Allen has been dealing with a, somewhat of a shoulder injury. Now, it isn't serious enough where he has to kind of sit out of games, but it does hinder him on those longer throws. And uh, just the combination of the defenses kind of figuring out the, the A&M offense and that injury, I think, has kind of shaken his confidence in recent weeks. And uh, if you saw his stats in the last two weeks, he's completed just, just over 40% of his passes. He has one touchdown and he has four interceptions. So the Kyle Allen we saw in the first five weeks of the season isn't the same Kyle Allen I saw on tape when I watched him against Alabama and Ole Miss. Right, and then... Coach Sumlin decided to pull Kyle Allen from the end of the or the start of the fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game, and rather than put in their uh, highly regarded freshman Kyler Murray, who was the number one ranked dual threat quarterback recruit in the country by ESPN last year, rather than go to him, they went to their third QB, Jake Hubenek, who transferred in from a small college. Hubenek was six of eleven for forty six yards against Ole Miss, and that was his second appearance of the season. But I think. Murray was noticeably absent, and uh, Sumlin has said that all three quarterbacks are going to have the opportunity to earn a starting job this Saturday against South Carolina, and Texas A&M will name their starting quarterback before practice on Friday. So, Matt, talk about uh, Kyler Murray. You know, we had heard some speculation that maybe there was a verbal spat between him and the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M, but apparently all that's been ironed out. They've squashed all that uh, apparently coming into the remainder of the week here, and A&M has not named their starter yet. Do you think it'll be Kyle Allen? Yeah, I, I think it's Kyle Allen's job to lose. I, I do think you will see a, a heavy dose of, or maybe not so, so heavy dose, but uh, you'll definitely see him mixed up in packages, uh, Kyle Murray. He's just such a talented athlete. I mean, he's a, a Texas football, a high school football legend. He set all sorts of records there. He was a two-time Mr. Football of the state. He was a three-time state champ who had a perfect record. He was even a, a great dual sport uh, athlete, baseball as well. He's, he's going to take a chance to play there at uh, A&M. But he was the first player ever to be selected for the Under Armour All-American game in both baseball and football. So he's a tremendous athlete. He's a Texas legend, and he will get some push 
because he is playing at Texas A&M, and Kyle Allen is an out-of-state guy from Arizona. Yeah, Murray's appeared in five games this year, but he did not play in the Ole Miss game last week And when Allen was pulled the start of the fourth quarter there in that loss to Ole Miss for A&M. So they got off to this great start, 5-0, and but they dropped their last two ball games, albeit against a very good competition. And, Matt, I wanted to get you to talk about some more aspects of this A&M offense. Your column today on Gamecock Central indicates that they may have the best wide receiver group in the SEC, and I believe you might be right. I should have been a little more confident in that statement. They have Christian Kirk, who's a, an all-around, just a dynamic athlete. He, uh, he, he sort of reminds me of Farrow Cooper, which I know is something that uh, Wes Mitchell also said in one of his articles this week, and uh, he's 100% right. He's a guy who A&M tries to get the ball as often and as, in as many ways as possible, whether it be on slants, deep routes, short screens. He's even a dangerous punt returner. But uh, he isn't the only guy in that A&M receiving crew. They also have Josh Reynolds who finished among the top in the SEC receiving yards last season. He's got close to 500 yards and three touchdowns. And then they got a monstrous receiver named Ricky Seals-Jones, who has over 300 yards receiving and two touchdowns. But he's really their go-to possession type guy uh, in the red zone on third downs. He's a little over 6'5". He's over 230 pounds. And he just has a big frame, and he's a, he's a matchup nightmare for defensive backs. And then the, the guy who's playing fourth fiddle, is a, a guy who was an electrifying player last year named Speedy Noyle. He was a, a true freshman standout for them last year. Uh, this year he hasn't had quite the season they expected. I think he's been dealing with some injuries. But he's a guy who also can have a big game if he's kind of forgotten about. And Kirk is a freshman, and he's second in the conference with 625 receiving yards. He's a true freshman? Yeah, he's a true freshman from Arizona. Actually, they, uh, they found him when they were scouting Kyle Allen a few years ago. And uh, they were saying, who's this kid playing receiver? And uh, they decided to offer him a scholarship, too. So they got two great players on the offense from the state of Arizona, Kyle Allen and Christian Kirk. All right, you're listening to Gamecock Central Radio. I'm Emerson Phillips with Matt O'Brien. You can get breaking news alerts delivered to your inbox. Just text USC to 42828, or you can go to Gamecock Central's front page. Uh, Matt, let's turn our attention to the Texas A&M defense for a moment now. I know they're running a 4-2-5, which is something that they you – know, that was their base defense a year ago. And and the defense actually played pretty well in that Ole Miss game. You could make the argument that they didn't play terribly against uh, Alabama either. The three pick sixes that Kyle Allen threw really kind of helped run up the score in that loss to Alabama. So tell us more about the Texas A&M defense and what the Gamecocks can expect to see on Saturday. Uh, they brought in uh, defensive coordinator John Chavis this year from LSU. Uh, he's a guy who's just kind of old school. He lines up, he does what he does, and he doesn't really change his game plan much. But what you can expect to see from them is a lot of man. They don't do a lot of blitzes, but they kind of say that their defensive backs, like he goes out and teaches them that th- you're better than the competition. Just line up, play your game. He instills confidence in them. Uh, it's really uh, it's really great to have a coach like Chavis who instills confidence in you, in you as a player because you get to play above your level, uh, your talent level. And that's kind of what they do. They have some pretty good defensive backs led by uh, cornerback Devontae Harris. He really uh, sticks out on tape as someone who's a difference maker. But, yeah, they play a lot of man-to-man. Uh, they let their front do their thing. They have a, an outstanding uh, defensive end named Miles Garrett. Who's, uh, he's one of those guys I consider to be, when he's playing as a sophomore, that he has no business coming back his junior year in college. He should be going straight to the NFL after a sophomore season. He's kind of like a, a Leonard Fournette or one of those guys who just stands out on tape as being a really special talent. Now, uh, he also plays alongside some pretty good defensive linemen. They got Daylon Mack, who's a, who's a freshman standout defensive tackle. This kid looks like he's a, a full-grown man, and he, he's, a, he's a true bull in the middle. 
And then opposite Garrett is uh, Deshaun Hall, who's a former basketball player. He's long, he's athletic, he's big. And what really lights a fire under him is trying to get attention or the same level of attention as Miles Garrett. So he plays with a high motor, and really just that defensive line has some good athletes. They play as a unit, and they really get after the pass, passing game. Matt, talk about uh, some of the things that Alabama and Ole Miss did to slow down the Texas A&M offense. And, it, you know, we're going to get to the Gamecocks in a minute here. I want to get your thoughts on what South Carolina will need to do to have a chance in this Texas A&M game. I believe A&M's about a 15-point favorite right now. But A&M started 5-0 and like we talked about to open the show, but they've really struggled the last couple of weeks, albeit against good teams. Talk about what Bama and Ole Miss did to kind of take some of that confidence away from Kyle Allen. Yeah, so Alabama is, uh, is just a team riddled with, NF- with future NFL players. Uh, their defensive front is probably the best in the nation. They got Ashawn Robinson, John Allen. Uh, they got some other good guys on the outside, like Deshaun Hand, who's a former number one overall player in the country. And then their linebackers are excellent, Reuben Foster and Reggie Ragland. Uh, and then their back, seven, or their back uh, four, I'm sorry, uh, it's just as talented as it gets. They got they fly around to the ball. Um, they're a really swarming defense, and I, I don't want to. I'm not sure if it's actually actually fair to compare South Carolina or ask them to do the same things that Alabama did. Mm. Um, but what they did do Alabama was control the offensive, uh, control the line of scrimmage with their defensive front, swarm to the ball. They uh, they took away those short easy passes that kind of Texas A&M counts on to get into rhythm, and then they they got pressure on. Uh, uh, Kyle Allen with only those four or five-man five man fronts and uh, just took confidence out of him. He was sacked a bunch of times. He had a bunch of hurries, and uh, the defensive line really got after it. Now, what the Ole Miss team did was something very similar, but they did it without their best player, Robert Kandice, who's one of the best defensive, line, defensive linemen in the country and will likely be a top-five pick this year. Uh, they also did it without their best defensive back, Tony Connor, who plays safety for them. So I think that South Carolina can look at the Ole Miss tape more so than the Alabama tape and really start looking at some things that they did and gain some confidence, saying that, hey, if Ole Miss can do it, we can do it. And Ole Miss took away the A&M running game, like you said. Trey Carson, a big running back, about 235 pounds. Yeah, uh, Trey Carson, he's a, he's a big dude. Uh, he was taken away in the Alabama and Ole Miss games. He only had about 47 yards per game there. But he's one of those guys that uh, – he needs a little bit of room to get going. He's he's bigger. He's he's 240 pounds, like you said, but uh, he's a guy that if you can get him get contact at the line of scrimmage with him, he really can't get going. And uh, I don't I don't want to take it away from him because I think he's a fine player. He's I think he's tenth or so in the SEC right now in rushing yards on an offense that likes to pass the ball. Hmm. But compared to the other backs that South Carolina has faced and will face this year, I think he's very average. He's he's not a Leonard Fournette. He's not even a Darius Geis or a Stanley Williams. Or a Nick Chubb. Uh, he's a guy that uh, he's very solid in what he does. He's a downhill runner. You definitely don't want to have to get squared up with him in the hole if you're a safety or even a, a linebacker. But he's not a guy that particularly scares me when I watch him on tape. Matt, Matt do you believe the Gamecock defensive line will be able to handle the Texas A&M offensive line? You know, A&M has been outstanding up front in recent years, and can we expect to see more of the same on Saturday? Yeah, you know this this Texas A&M team. They kind of they're kind of known for their linemen, and uh, they produced obviously Luke Jokel, uh, Jake Matthews, and uh, Cedric Abui, uh, all in recent drafts. But uh, those guys are actually a part of the same recruiting class, which is just uh, amazing. Uh, a few years back, but anyway, um, they don't they don't really have quite the same talent and uh, continuity along the offensive line they've had in years past. And while they haven't been truly bullied this year, 
I think I've seen a lot of things that teams have done to kind of uh, expose them. And I've seen that, especially in recent weeks, obviously with Alabama and with Ole Miss. And uh, I think what you got to do is, if you're the South Carolina defensive line, you have to move around your best athletes, who, who I think are Marquavius Lewis and Dante Sawyer. Put them in positions where they're not lined up along the same offensive guy every snap. So if I'm Dante Sawyer, I want to be moved around on the guard one play, on the left tackle another play. I want to move around, maybe even stand up one play. You kind of mix and match and kind of pick your opponent, expose the weakness along the offensive front. But you can't keep doing the same thing every time and expect the offense to be confused. I think Sakana has to mix it up. they got to put their athletes in the best position to succeed. Um, but there is, there is light. There is a reason for the Sakana defensive front to think they could have success. Um, like I said, Ole Miss did it without Robert Kondiche. That kind of gives these guys confidence that they can do the same thing. If they play with confidence, if they're moving around, if they're playing with high energy, and if they're good against the run and they're sound against the pass, I think they could have success against A&M. Talking South Carolina versus Texas A&M coming up Saturday at noon Eastern on the SEC Network. I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. How would you like to get 55 days of free premium access to GamecockCentral.com? All you got to do is go to GamecockCentral.com for more information, and this offer is uh, only available for a limited time, so check that out today. Matt, so one of the interesting pieces or one of the interesting items in your piece today on Gamecock Central and uh, again Matt uh, writes a weekly column here he's an analyst for Gamecock Central and uh, one of the interesting items that I read in your story today Matt is that uh, Kyle Allen has struggled with zone coverage this year and that's something that could play into the Gamecocks hands a little bit if they're able to slow down Trey Carson and the A&M running game because the Gamecocks have got a couple of linebackers that are very good in pass coverage. Yeah, you know, and that's something that we talked about, like what Alabama and Ole Miss have done in recent weeks. And I think uh, Nick Saban could be credited and his staff uh, with kind of uh, showing that blueprint on tape. Uh, Kyle Allen and the Texas A&M offense, they run kind of a uh, kind of a quick read type thing where if they're in man-to-man coverage, Kyle Allen kind of knows where he's going with the ball. So if the guy's covering him on the outside and man-to-man, he's going to throw a quick inside route. If the guy's on inside leverage, he knows he has an outside route, he'll probably go deep on like a fade or something like that. And uh, if they're playing off-man coverage with two or three guys in the slot, they'll use one of those quick screens or uh, bubbles, uh, just a short pass and kind of let uh, Christian Kirk and one of those other receivers going. But um, what Alabama Ole Miss have done is they put a lot of zone coverage on tape, and it kind of confuses Kyle Allen, and it just makes him think a lot more. And with how he struggled recently, with his with his throwing and his his hindered shoulder he just isn't as confident as making those quick decisions that you need he's forcing the ball into tight windows and as you know South Carolina runs a lot of zone they run a lot of they put a lot of cushion with the defensive backs and they drop the linebackers back which I think could be a key this week is uh guys like Sky Moore uh, TJ Holloman and Bryson Allen Williams all have interceptions this year they're guys who can drop back maybe even deeper than they usually drop back in, into a cover two and really uh, pick off Kyle Allen as he tries to take a, uh, a throw over the middle into a window he thinks open but will be closed quickly by Moore or one of the other linebackers. So I think zone coverage definitely plays into South Carolina's favor this week. Now, that doesn't mean that zone will automatically work. The players will obviously have to be swarming, play with high intensity, and play smart. But uh, based on what I've seen this past few weeks from Texas a and they struggled against zone. And that's an area that South Carolina have to, has to like. Okay, and the Gamecocks played with a lot of energy, particularly on defense in their last game, the Vanderbilt game. That was the first game 
under Sean Elliott. So I think that's something that Gamecock fans are hoping to see more of is energy, particularly on the defensive side of the football. So maybe that will continue this Saturday against Texas A&M. Matt, uh, you know, I don't think the Gamecocks want to fall behind in this ball game. They don't want to get involved in a shootout with Texas A&M. And uh, another key that you mentioned in your article today is that uh, the Gamecock offense is going to have to help the defense by controlling the clock, moving sticks, maintaining drives. Yeah, you know, uh, in the past two losses, they've given up a time of possession of uh, 35 minutes to opposing offenses. I think it was 35 for Alabama and like 36 to Ole Miss, and uh, when their defense is on the field, they get worn down. They start playing out of assignments, misalignments, and they put, start playing with confusion. They wear down, and that's when teams really have success. Uh, it all starts with the running attack, and uh, I think Brandon Wilds coming back last week was huge for the Gamecock offense. Uh, to me, he looked great. Uh, that that might have been one of the better games he's played in his career. He looked confident. He ran downhill. He hit his holes hard, and also his counterpart, David Williams also ran one of his better games that he's had in his career. Outside of that one fumble, which was unfortunate, he looked very confident, and he's sort of getting into rhythm, and I think having Brandon Wilds back helps David, David Williams get into rhythm because he's a, he's a change-of-pace guy. He's bigger. Um, obviously, both of those guys are, are 6'1", 220 pounds in that range, um, but they have sort of different skill sets. Brandon Wilds is sort of a more graceful runner. He's a good receiver. David Williams, to me, is a, is a downhill guy. So those two guys provide a, a great combo at running back, and uh, South Carolina should definitely utilize them. But, yeah, we have to utilize – or South Carolina has to utilize the, uh, the run game to slow it down, keep the defense off the field because you want to give the defense not only rest, but the defense also has to have time to adjust to their, the Texas A&M offense what they're doing. If the South Carolina defense comes off the field and a minute later they have to go back on, they're not getting the full coaching, making the full adjustments. They're going back onto the field, probably making the same mistakes they were already making. So, yeah, just slow down the tempo, control the clock. That should definitely be the number one key for the South Carolina offense. All right, so the running game will obviously be important for South Carolina. Got to establish that run early and try to shorten the football game a little bit. I'm with you on that, Matt. Uh, how about some other key players for South Carolina? Obviously, the Gamecock offense is anchored by Pharaoh Cooper, and he's going to need to make some big plays if the Gamecocks are going to win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pharaoh Cooper needs to get involved in as many ways as possible. I don't think from what I've seen on tape that the John Chavis, the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, will do anything special. They've obviously gone against uh, – supreme athletes at wide receiver like Calvin Ridley at Alabama, the true freshman, and also Laquan Treadwell, who's one of the nation's best top uh, wide receivers. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do anything special against Farrell Cooper since they didn't do it against those guys. But they need to get Farrell Cooper the ball in as many ways as possible. Short screens, slants, take some shots deep with them, maybe even put him in the backfield, run him on wheel routes, and also give him some opportunities out of the Wildcat. Uh, but aside from Farrell Cooper, who we all know will, uh, will probably produce a big game, I want to see Jarrell Adams step up. He, he's sort of having a, uh, I wouldn't say a down year, but it, it's, it's sort of disappointing with all the high expectations of him finally filling in as a starting tight end. I want to see him get some chances matched up with their safeties over the middle. And uh, as we all know, uh, a quarterback's best friend, aside from his running back on checkdowns, is a big, big-framed wide, rec- uh, wide receiving tight end like uh, Jarrell Adams. He's 6'6", 235 pounds. He's got a big frame. He'll be open over the middle. Uh, we already talked about the key uh, in the running game, Brandon Wiles and David Williams. So they'll, be, they'll have to play a huge role in the South Carolina offense having success. But a guy I really want to see getting more involved is uh, a true freshman, DJ Neal. 
he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, he's sort of taken some time to grow into himself and learn all the routes, learn how to run routes against Division One competition. But he's a guy who I've, I've been really uh, pleasantly surprised with this year. He looks very good, and I think he should see a bigger role this week against A&M. Yeah, and the Gamecocks are looking for some younger players that they can build around uh, moving into this transitional stage now with uh, Steve Spurrier having resigned and the uncertainty surrounding the head coaching job. I think the Gamecocks are really working the rest of this season to try to identify some young players, and he's certainly uh, one that headlines that list. So uh, speaking of young players, Matt, uh, talk about A&M a little bit more. You know, we, we talked about some of the freshmen that they're going to start in this game on Saturday, and that group is headlined by Christian Kirk, the wide receiver, who's second in the SEC in Receiving yards and Kyler Murray, their backup quarterback, was the number one ranked dual threat QB in the country coming out of high school and several other freshmen that you mentioned for Texas A&M. And there's been talk for some time that A&M has taken over the state of Texas from the Texas Longhorns in recruiting. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Kevin Sumlin, the job he's done there, and how has Texas A&M gotten so strong in recruiting? So I remember when Texas A&M first joined the SEC, I read a column and I forget who it was by, unfortunately, but they said that the invite to the SEC awoke a sleeping giant in Texas A&M. And when I read the article, they talked about all the facilities, the big-time boosters they have, and all the money they have in the facilities and the infrastructure over A&M. And then I saw the de- decline of the Texas program and the rise of the smaller Texas schools. And then I saw Kevin Sumlin, who's a, who's a promising young coach stepping into the Texas A&M role at the time who the players really identify with. They really like him. He's, he's a great coach. He's a, he's a team, he's a team first guy. He's a, he's what you would call a player's coach. And uh, they identify with him. They like him. So he, that obviously leads to better recruiting. Uh, but really the, the reason for their bigger recruiting is, is the, all the assistants, how hard they go hit in the recruiting trail. Obviously Kevin Sullivan makes it a priority to go not only in the state of Texas, really, uh, keep those in-state guys there, but he also goes to uh, New Orleans and gets a speedy Noyle. He'll go to Arizona to get a Kyle Allen and Christian Kirk. He's not afraid to step out of his boundaries and sort of cherry-pick who he wants. And I think it's a, a true testament to not only his but his coaching staff's uh, tenacity on the recruiting trail. Interesting. Uh, a lot of storylines surrounding the South Carolina-Texas A&M game. The coaches, I think, uh, are part of the story this week, Matt, with uh, – Coach Elliott transitioning to the interim head position at South Carolina, and you know, will he have an opportunity to earn the permanent position next year? And then Kevin Sumlin's name has been mentioned. Uh, he's been mentioned as a possible candidate for Southern Cal and maybe the National Football League as well. So plenty to talk about with uh, the coaches in, in this game as well. Yeah, you know, um, with Coach Elliott, he's when I when I found out he was coaching the team, I was extremely happy. I knew that he was the right guy to take the job. Because with the team feeling down because of the losing season and then getting hit with Coach Spurrier's retirement, uh, or sorry, uh, resignation from the job. I know he's not retiring. He'll be doing other things. But they got hit hard by those two things. And uh, for a guy like Coach Elliott to come in with his fire, his intensity, I think he was the perfect man for the job. And I really do think he'll have a good opportunity to become the full-time coach moving forward because he has that fire. He has that relationship with the players. But I, I want to see it on the field. Like you got to see them against the teams like Tennessee, Texas A&M, Florida, and Clemson. And I'm not saying they have to go out and win every game, but you have to play hard all 60 minutes. They have to go out there, out there with intensity, and they got to look a lot better than what we've seen in the first part of the season. Uh, I, I do think Coach Jillian has a chance to make the job, and um, he'll be right up there with the candidates uh, Tom Herman and uh, Justin Fuente from 
the Memphis and Houston coaches. So I think uh, if I had to say a favorite just from outside looking in and also someone who follows the program very closely, I'd probably say those three guys are the, the favorites. But Coach Elliott definitely has a chance uh, to take the job. Uh, as for Kevin Sumlin, uh, there's been yeah rumors of him taking the USC job or some other big-time college jobs and possibly going to the NFL. Uh, I, I really can't see him leaving uh, Texas A&M to go to another college. I know Southern Cal is very appealing. They're the, the best of the best, the best of the West. Um, but to me, he's home in Texas A&M. He has a good thing going there. Yeah. Texas has been down. He's getting big-time recruits. He sort of runs the program very comfortably. He has a, has a good relationship with the, the people higher up. So I think he likes it there. But the NFL possibility is uh, is very interesting. There's there's jobs out there like the Detroit Lions that uh, I think would give him a look, give him a phone call. But uh, for now, I definitely do think he will stay at A&M unless uh, the NFL makes him an offer they, uh, he can't refuse, so to say. Interesting. You talked about the success that Kevin Sumlin has had recruiting at Texas A&M and uh, Coach Elliott said about uh, trying to improve Gamecock recruiting right away. As soon as he was named the interim coach uh, last week, he took some steps to try to work on improving areas of recruiting, really, in, literally in the first hours that he had the job. And that's something we talked about earlier this week here on Gamecock Central Radio. All right, so yeah, Matt, lots of interesting storylines with the coaches here and a lot of talent for both these teams. And uh, the one key position for South Carolina that we've not talked about yet is quarterback, and Perry Orth will get the start again on Saturday. So we talked about the key players in offense like Farrell Cooper, Jarrell Adams, Brandon Wilds, and all the other guys that have, have to have big games for them. But the, the key guy to the offense success will be Perry Orth. Uh, he's a guy who's looked confident. He, th- he shows off no fear in throwing the deep ball, but he really needs to step it up this game to keep the offense in rhythm. And I think that while the South Carolina offense will rely on the rushing attack to kind of slow down the tempo, control the clock, and give the South Carolina defense some time to rest and adjust, I think that he'll have to make those key throws on third down to keep the drive going. He can't force any throws that will, that will create interceptions, bringing the defense back on the field and giving a short field for the Texas A&M offense. And he'll also have to play under control, play poise when Miles Garrett and the other pass rushers are getting in his face. He can't force anything. If he has to take a sack, take a sack. If he's getting out of the pocket and throw it away, just throw it away. But he'll also have to use his legs in the run. I know he's talked about this week how he's uh, – He's feeling a little bit more confident in the run, and uh, I think this, those those few areas will be keys for Perry Orth, and because uh, he's really the key to South Carolina's success on offense, and and could be the key to the whole game for South Carolina. Yeah, Orth's been pretty good this year. I've been impressed with him all in all, and I think you know in the vertical passing game, he's been the Gamecocks' best option at quarterback. I don't even think it's been close when you look at uh, Connor Mitch and Lorenzo Nunez in the limited amount of time that they've played. This year, I think Orth has been far superior to them in the vertical passing game. So, Matt, uh, who's going to win on Saturday and why? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this deeply. <laughs> um, I saw where Texas A&M opened up the spread at around 15 point as a 15-point favorite. And when I watched the last two games on tape against Alabama and Ole Miss, I just, you know, I just didn't see that. But then I went back and watched more of the, the previous games, and they're just, they're just so talented across the board. I think that if South Carolina comes out, plays with intensity, that they'll be able to keep it close. Um, I'm not sure how long they can hold on. If the South Carolina offense can play in rhythm, I think it'll be closer than some expect. Uh, 15 points seems a little high, uh, but it might be just about right um, from what I'm seeing right now. Now, I might have a different feel later on in the week when I make my prediction on uh, Friday, but for now, I'd probably say that uh, 
St. Anna's around a, a 10 point favorite is a, is about right to me. All right, very interesting. Some good insight today from Matt O'Brien and the Gamecocks getting set to travel to College Station, Texas for the first ever trip at Texas A&M. And it's going to be interesting, uh, Matt, you know, Texas A&M, a new addition to the SEC and the Gamecocks were, uh, there was a time when the Gamecocks were an expansion team or a new team in the SEC. So these programs, uh, you know, just starting to get acquainted with one another and it could be the start of an interesting rivalry. Definitely, I 100% agree. Uh, I remember when we lost, Lost Arkansas as a cross-division rival. Uh, everyone was kind of uh, freaking out. They were saying, oh, Arkansas is down. Like, why can't we have them now? It would make our schedule a little bit easier. It would help our chances to win. But you know what? I like this. It gives us a chance to uh, make some connections in Texas, maybe even recruit some kids out of there. And it gives our our, 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 our fan base a nice uh, little road trip out there to, uh, to Kyle Field. So I, I like this rivalry. I think Texas A&M is on the rise. Hopefully South Carolina can become uh, back up on the rise, too, and this could become one of the better rivalries in the SEC. Yeah, both teams looking for a win on Saturday. A&M has dropped two in a row. They're 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the SEC, and the Gamecocks are 3-4 and four, and 1-4 and four in conference play. Matt O'Brien, we appreciate your input today. Uh, excellent insight, and enjoy being with you on the show today, and we will do it again each week from here on out here on Gamecock Central Radio. Great to be with you. Thank you so much, Emerson. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Matt O'Brien. He's working with NBC Sports. He works on Football Night in America as a production assistant. He's also working with Pro Football Talk and Fantasy Football Live. Matt is a former walk-on football player for the Gamecocks, played with the Gamecocks in 2010 and 2011, and you can read his column each week. X's and O's, Matt talks on Gamecock Central each week during the football season. So we'll get together with Matt again next week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.